0: caller today. Instead, Paul's wife Julie catches a break as Paul tells us all the things that annoy him as a kitchen designer. Welcome to Better Call Paul. We have an exciting treat for you today. We have Paul McEllary talking about his pet
1: peeves. Paul? Uh, Thank you, Mark. So uh, I was assembling my pet peeves, and my wife Julie warned me that I'm going to come off as a curmudgeon if I have too many pet peeves. But I have so many that I pretty much almost ran out of paper. (laughs) Uh, I've narrowed it down. We'll see how many we get to. If you're listening to this and you're a potential customer, don't think that we don't like our customers just because we have these sort of pet peeves, but when you have, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of customers over d- decades of time, you know, a lot of times there's just one question or one thing that comes up over and over and over again that you've heard too many times and it's, it's it feels like you're you're getting a migraine when you hear it for the 17th millionth you know, time.
0: Yeah, I've known Paul a long time and I have to say You know how some people, you don't know where you stand with them and it's confusing? Never once happened.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that's part of my design style, which um, brings me to one of my first pet peeves, which is the way our relationship starts with a lot of customers or a lot of potential customers is they call, we meet them. If we are working out of a showroom, they'll come into the showroom. But the beginning of the exchange starts with them usually telling us all the reasons that they don't need us first they'll say they know exactly what they want but that statement is just so patently sort of silly because without our help whatever they want is a very uninformed opinion about what they want so some designers get so tired of people telling them things like that that they'll start quizzing the customer just to sort of make them aware of the fact that they have no idea what they want. Like, what kind of wood did you want? Well, I think I wanted maybe mahogany, right? Well, oh, so you want to get the most expensive wood. You're looking to spend a lot of money then, right? <laughs> and well, not, not necessarily, you know, that wasn't what I was saying. They goes, well, uh, what kind of color, you know, and they just quiz them and it becomes rapidly apparent to most people that, you know what, you need help. That's why you, you really want to come to a designer. You know, I know when
0: you go to a car mechanic, if you say, I think I need a new engine, they'll put a new engine in for you. (laughs) But if you say to them, hey, my car's not running, it might turn out you just need new spark plugs.
1: That's very true. To follow up with that is part of being a designer is actually getting customers to make good decisions. So educating the customers is really part of the process. One of my biggest pet gripes with the designers that work for me or as having been a department manager or a design manager for several bunch of different firms, one of my pet peeves is when the designer is, has sold the kitchen or is giving it to me for my approval and it's a horrible design, they'll always say the same thing, that it's what the customer wanted. But being a good designer is getting the customer to want A good design. So, how do we get them to do that? And different designers have different techniques. Ray, who used to work for us and sadly has passed away, used to maybe almost shame his customers into good designs by saying, well, this is very stylish. You want it to do what? This is the way a, a person with good taste would do it. And you want to do it how? So that was sort of his, his technique. <laughs> I, I take it that's not the subtle approach that you use. Well, I'm much worse than that. I'm very blunt and would say, well, here's what's wrong with that idea, right? And here's how we can do it better. And then why would you want to do it that? Essentially, I'm doing what Ray's doing. I'm being sort of really blunt. We once had a customer, one of Chris. I always describe Chris as a designer is his technique is being just a nicer version of me. (laughs) So one time I said to one of Chris's customer who was talking to me and and he was talking about doing something that I thought was a bad idea. And I, I laughed and I said, well, you know, that's not a very good idea you're lucky you're not my customer. It might've been difficult hearing what I said. And then he said, oh no, no, no. Chris tells me my ideas are stupid too. <laughs> right? But I'm sure when he said that he was saying in a very nice way, Chris would somehow express that. Whereas I would you know, be a little bit more blunt. Well, I'm sure that saves time. Well, that's true. And that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm do it the blunt way is that it saves a lot of time. It cuts to the chase. And sometimes if it really doesn't make any sense and you can show the customer why it doesn't make any sense, if they're adamant about doing something that doesn't make any sense, well, that's a big red flag. It's good to get out of the way quickly. I would say that the one story I always like to tell is the designer who's actually probably the top selling designer, maybe probably in the United States, he certainly has been over time. He used to work at Home Depot, where he was the highest selling designer for the entire Home Depot chain and the first designer to sell over a million dollars in cabinets, maybe 35 years ago. And then he went to Lowe's. So
0: cabinets are pretty expensive. So is is that like 10 kitchens?
1: Uh, (laughs) Well, 30 years ago when cabinets were much less expensive, I can't even imagine how many kitchens it was. It was probably way over a hundred kitchens. Wow. So in one year, but- um, That's amazing. But his name's Doug Mottershead. Doug, I've worked with for a couple of years. And when we worked together, it was fascinating watching the process of this, the highest selling designer, because he wasn't blunt and he didn't say things to people. He would make people through the sheer act of patience, make people discover things themselves. Wow. It would even start before they even worked on the design. They would walk into the showroom. They might say to me, yeah, hi, I, I'd like to, to work on my design. I have my measurements here. And then I'd say, oh, um, that, that's wonderful. But the way we really work is we always, I want to come out to your house and I want to measure first. Then we'll make, we work by appointment. So we'll make an appointment. Um, be happy to uh, schedule an appointment to come out to your house and measure. And even as I'm just saying these things, I can see their eyes glazing over. It's not what they want. They've arrived in the showroom. They want to sit down immediately. And then they'll just, eyes will start wandering over to Doug. And then Doug would immediately, you know, say, hi, can I help you? And they would leave me, go right over to Doug and say, well, I have my measurements. I wanted to work on a design. He'd say, oh, wonderful. Sit right down. And so they'd sit down. And what would proceed would be the beginning of this process where he would fool them into requesting and doing all the things that he needs. So he says, oh, you have your measurements, let me see them. And then he'd look at the measurements and he'd say something like, I see that the one wall is 10 feet long and the other wall is 12 feet long. Now we work in inches. So does that mean that this one wall is exactly 120 inches and the other wall is 144? And then you'd see them sort of think about it for a little bit and then decide that they just wanted to proceed and they'd say yes. And he'd say, oh, okay, wonderful. That's what a coincidence that is. So now I see that neither of these walls has a window in it. Is there, there's no windows in either one of these walls? And then the customer would say, well, there's a window on that wall. And he'd say, oh, how big do you think it is? And then the customer (laughs) would hold their arms up and, you know, they'd maybe be three feet apart. And his dog would say, that looks about three feet. Should I put in 36 inches And the customer would say yes and then doug would say does that include the trim on the window because as a kitchen designer we always have to count for the trim and then the, the customer would say yes and then he'd say okay now where do you think it is on the wall is it you know and at this point the customer would usually say could you come over and measure my kitchen and then Doug would say, "Mrs. Jones, I would love to visit your home." And then that would be the power. Of the process started. So.
0: Can, I, can I just say one yes. thing? Like I would much prefer your approach. <laughs> yeah. You know, at some point, even if I'm a moron, I realize I'm being handled as opposed to talk to honestly. And I hate, personally, I hate that. I much prefer somebody to be honest with me.
1: I'm telling you something. I don't know that his Doug's customers. Maybe I'm doing it. I mean, maybe I'm I'm doing it with not with the meaningfulness or not as believable as he did but he would go this would go through with his process the whole way through where the customer wanted to do something that wasn't a good idea and then he'd show it to them and then he'd say well what do you think and then they would say well I definitely think it's better that way he goes I agree and then he'd go through the whole process and at the end After, you know, maybe three months later, when some Mrs. Jones first walked into the the showroom, Doug is now selling Mrs. Jones a kitchen. And Doug says to Mrs. Jones as she's getting out the paperwork for her to buy this kitchen, he says, Mrs. Jones... You have designed a beautiful kitchen, and then I would always lean over to take a look at this beautiful kitchen. And all of Doug's kitchens all had the sort of a signature modder's head look, and it all looked the same. It was another one of Doug's kitchens. Mrs. Jones had a kitchen that looked like Doug had designed it come from head to tail, but you but she know,
0: thought she thought she designed it so and she and, felt good about it. And, yeah.
1: and you know, if people really feel part of the process and own their, and feel that they were contributed to their own design. That's certainly the, the road to, the, to them being the happiest, which is, you know, but it, how, how much patience does that require? It requires a heck more, of a lot. More
0: of, than either of us have. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh,
1: but uh, that's also why the guy is, uh, when I even call up every once in a blue moon, I call the, uh, com- the, the showroom where Doug works. And a lot of the times the showroom manager slash owner will be the, will answer the phone. And the second he hears my voice, he says, I- "I'll let you talk to Doug, but you're not going to try to take him away from us, are you?" <laughs> and I have to, I have to promise I won't, I won't try to do that.
0: So, what's your, uh, what's your second
1: most pe- peeve, peevish peeve? I guess I have a big problem with a lot of companies that are builders. So, like Toll Brothers is one of the biggest offenders. So, first off, builders all will.
0: Now, Toll Brothers is a home builder, one of the largest in the country, right? Yeah,
1: one of the largest home, and, and huge in Pennsylvania. I think they started in this region, so they're, they're biggest around here. They're notorious for beautiful homes with terrible layouts and terrible kitchens, and the reason is that they want to buy directly from the cabinet company, and they let their architects that design the houses design their kitchens, and they don't want any intrusion by anybody knowledgeable, essentially, is what I would say.
0: So you got uh, builders building a a cheap standard kitchen with cabinets that they can buy in bulk uh, at an affordable price without doing a a design
1: that... I mean... What would you add to the design that they're not doing? Well, I mean, the designs are just patently terrible. I mean, um, you know, some of them, they... Since the the architects that do the designs for them don't know any of the design rules, kitchen design rules, they often break every fundamental kitchen design rule. I know one whole community had a gigantic kitchen with a gigantic island, and they put the sink in the island and the refrigerator directly in back of the sink three feet away. So that means if you're trying to work at the sink, anytime somebody goes to the refrigerator, you have to vacate that place. It's like... You have a huge kitchen. You could put anything anywhere you wanted to. If you had to pick the worst place to put the refrigerator, that's where it would be. So and then you made it too close on top of it. So if Hannah was
0: making dinner,
1: you know, I would have
0: to interrupt her like six times to get a beer, and then, <laughs> and then it would destroy you know, that's her, true. her workflow.
1: That's <laughs> not true. These builders are very resistant to getting help from kitchen designers. And in fact, Toe Brothers was offered by the cabinet companies that they used free design help from them because they felt bad that these designs were so bad and they wouldn't take help from the cabinet brand themselves when they're doing their designs it's a very common thing with builders and they don't service their customers so not only do they charge huge ridiculous amounts of money for any upgrade that you might want so if you wanted to add let's say dovetail drawers to your kitchen well that costs in the real world. So so a
0: dovetail drawer is a type of joinery where the front of the uh, drawer is is dovetailed in as opposed to like surface nailed or something? Yeah,
1: or it could be nailed, it could be glued, it could be a little bit of both, but without this interlocking dovetails that interlock with each other, sort of preventing the, the drawer from pulling apart. And. It's the only, even from the least expensive brand to the most expensive brand we carry, every one of them has dovetail drawers. Right. But the builders always choose a brand that has terrible (laughs) drawers that you have to upgrade. And then if you upgrade, the upgrade should cost maybe $50 a drawer, but they'll charge you thousands and thousands of dollars just to get this upgrade feature. And then same thing with plywood construction. Same thing with all the things that we carry standard. The builders have the lowest grade of cabinets, and then they make their homeowners upgrade into anything significant. In fact, in the last year alone, we had two Toll Brothers homes that the customer bought the home with the least expensive cabinets and the least expensive kitchens. Once they took possession of the home, then the contractor came in, ripped their whole kitchen out, gave it to Habitat for Humanity, then they installed the kitchen that we had designed. The whole kitchen was just worthless, at least in those customers' minds. Wow, that's crazy.
0: So builders that don't have good kitchen design knowledge and aren't interested in hiring it or building it internally, that's that's terrible.
1: Well, I mean, that's part of the, the thing we sort of say is it's one of our videos, that Mark, that you're on playing the engineer. But on that video, Doug, who's also on that video, who I just finished talking about, oh,
0: right, right.
1: <laughs> says in that video that people just don't know what they don't know. So when you're a builder... You think you know stuff that you have no idea you have no idea how bad your kitchen design is because you don't know anything about kitchen design and you're resistant to getting any help and it translates into terrible designs terrible value for people's homes they don't also stand behind the cabinet so they buy the cabinets directly from the manufacturer but if you have a warranty issue with that cabinet brand or anything else You can't go back to the builder. Their responsibility is over once the house is sold and certainly once a year goes by. So now we get any kinds of cabinets that we carry, like we carry a brand Timberlake that Ryan Holmes sells. Ryan Holmes directs their customers to come to us with their problems because they don't want to have anything to do with them. So it's a little bit infuriating. So the whole builder market is a little bit frustrating for us. Should we do another?
0: All right, so we got the customer that thinks they know... What they're talking about, making it hard to build a kitchen. We got builders who build
1: crappy kitchens. What's the third one? Well, I think the part of the first one, too, we should include the designers that sell the kitchen, a bad kitchen, and then tell me that it's what the customer wanted. Because if they're good designers then what they should be doing is using whatever technique it is that they use, they're making or helping their customers to make, where they want to be blunt, like me. So you're not blaming the customer, you're blaming the designer.
0: No, no, it's, no. His job to it's his job to bring the person around a good design
1: that works for them. Yeah, you know, what I say when we have company meetings, if one of the designers puts up a design that's particularly poor, I would say, none of my customers have a design this bad. And why is that? Somehow I negotiated or, or somehow I found my way to a design that doesn't have any of these problems. So there's there's a way to get there, whether it's the patience of a saint like Doug said or myself being blunt or Ray sort of shaming people into it or her, whatever your technique is. There's lots of different techniques, but the goal is always the same, to get people to pick good designs. Yeah,
0: and if they if you let them pick a bad design, they're going to f- figure it out at some point and they're going to be unhappy.
1: Well no one ever complains when you convince them to get a good design, right? They only blame you when finally they realize their bad design. Occasionally, we'll get the phone call with, well, you're the expert. Why did you let me do this? Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which is part and parcel with maybe one of my next pet peeves, which is the reason sometimes that a customer gives for picking a bad design is, well... It may be a bad design, but it's way better than my old kitchen, right? That standard of comparison isn't supposed to be your horribly designed old kitchen and anything better than that is a good kitchen. It should be, here's the best kitchen you can get, right? And now look at that compared to the kitchen that you have. It's all right. <laughs> so we're so, on the air,
0: honey. <laughs> this is Hannah, my wife, who's Paul's one of his oldest friends from college. <laughs> Hello, Hannah. Are we live on the air? Not live. Not no, live. are not
1: live. Can you right. edit this out? If we want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, Hannah. Goodbye. <laughs> we should keep that in. Yeah, so the standard should never be that you're comparing a kitchen to should it shouldn't be anything better than the horrible kitchen I used to have is uh, is fine. It should be here's the best kitchen you could have had and now compare this bad design to that thing, right? Which brings us to the sister pet peeve of that is customers that want to do a bad design and we get this all the time. They want to do a terrible design but they want to buy the most expensive cabinet brands from us. Or they want to get the most expensive appliances. So they may not want to take out a wall or move a doorway or even move a window, which would totally make the whole design so much better and make their home incredibly more valuable. But they don't want to do that, even though that's two or $3,000. They'd like to get custom cabinets from us that are $20,000 more expensive. And they'd like to buy... Professional uh, Wolf, Viking, Sub-Zero appliances that are $25,000 in appliances. They want to spend all the money on that. They just don't want to spend the money on the one thing that makes their house more valuable, which is design itself. They can't look past just spending money on things. Right. And they understand that Well, it's a status
0: thing if you got the viking and all that and the, and the really super expensive people come over and they know
1: you spent the money and it looks well good. but then your kitchen will look and function terribly and unfortunately even if you're blind to that probably your neighbors and friends aren't it just makes no sense it's first get the design to be as good as it can be and then splurge on these other things as you, you can afford. But you're certainly not going to break your budget just with moving things around or making design changes. You
0: say that on your podcast all the time. Like people overestimate the cost of moving a wall or uh, construction things to change a layout are not necessarily that expensive, especially when you're talking about
1: a $50,000 remodel. Yeah. And a lot of times it's not intuitive, but they're free. So like people say, well, I don't move, want to move the gas line. You know, that's going to be expensive. Well, let's say the gas line is $500. There's certainly some contractors we work with that would charge you less than $500 to move a gas line. The plumber's going to come to your house to do a whole bunch of plumbing work. He'll be able to move the gas line probably in two hours. Certainly, if you got charged $500 for that, it was a profit-making thing for the contractor. But if you don't move the gas line, the stove has to stay in that location. And then maybe all of a sudden you end up with a bunch of narrow cabinets all because we can't be designing around where the stove is. And then a bunch of narrow cabinets are much more expensive than being able to just fit a bigger cabinet in its place. And the price of cabinets are so expensive that you might be spending $1,000 more for cabinetry and get a bad design, all because you're not moving a gas line that maybe cost you at worst $500.
0: And you can't expect a person who doesn't do this all the time to know that. And
1: not only that, but it's one other... Pet peeve, I hadn't even written down on my all my pages and pages oh. and pages of pet peeves. <laughs> but HGTV makes us crazy as designers because they give people all the wrong information. You know, I watched
0: this morning HGTV, uh, no demo re- Reno. There basically is they redo the kitchen and their one premise is that they can't move anything.
1: Right. Literally? It's, you watched that this morning? It, yeah.
0: It's called No Demo Remodel or right. something. Which is, which is No Demo, No Brain Remodel. right. <laughs> right. And she is, a, she is charming and fun, but well, I'm like, why can't you move stuff?
1: Well, you know, and that's the problem with all these HGTV shows is two reasons. The personalities that are on this, when they call us up and they're looking for free cabinets, they call them the talent. But the talent really doesn't have any talents in kitchen design. That's not what they ever did for a living. If they have a show, and so with their limited knowledge, they are just creating horrible kitchens that some people think are attractive. And they're only comparing it to maybe what was there before again, and not being able because they're not kitchen designers themselves to be able to see what a real professional You're probably right because
0: she went with custom cabinets with, <laughs> without considering like not custom cabinets. Like why, why would you go in with custom cabinets unless you have to?
1: Well, a lot of times people that aren't experienced get custom cabinets because they design the kitchen based on sizes that they come up with themselves. And then when they give it to the kitchen designer, every size is just isn't a standard size. So it ha- you only can do this design in custom cabinets, even though it's a terrible design, which is right back to the same thing that drives me crazy. A terrible design, in expensive cabinetry. So, and then the other thing in HTDV is they always have to have a crisis. That's how you make the show intriguing. Oh, Mrs. Jones, I didn't realize this was a load-bearing wall. (laughs) You're going to have to reevaluate your budget. It's gonna cost $20,000 to take out this wall. First off, a load-bearing wall maybe costs two or $3,000 to take out. But now you're telling the general public, every time I'm talking to customers, it's like, well, this isn't, I'm not taking out any load-bearing walls all because they've seen these things on HGTV. In reality, If I was hired a contractor and he got to the end of my kitchen remodel and he starts ripping stuff out and he says, Mr. McAlarry, this is, unsurprisingly, this is a load-bearing wall and it's going to cost you $20,000. I'd say, hey, it's going to cost you $20,000 more. If you didn't know this is a load-bearing wall, then what kind of professional are you? I wouldn't pay anybody more money because they didn't have the professionalism to realize when a wall was load-bearing and when it wasn't
0: so would you recommend a structural engineer or a contractor
1: should know that any contractor should know that and any kitchen designer should probably know it and usually you're going to need an engineer in the end to do the evaluation and determine how big the beam is going to be but you don't hire the engineer first you design the kitchen with the designer then you get prices from the contractors and then the contractor that you decide to hire probably has his own engineer, maybe his brother-in-law or somebody that he has a relationship with that he'll be able to have do the drawings that you need much less expensively than you as a not a professional person going out looking for engineers first is going to do. And heaven forbid, you might even hire the engineer and the engineer might come back and tell you it's not a load bearing wall. So don't put the cart before the horse. Do the design work. The load bearing wall or not load bearing wall isn't again going to be the thing that breaks your budget. But you want to get the things that you want and then hire the architects and the engineers that you need to do that project. Don't go directly to the end person that doesn't know anything about kitchen design to help you first. That's just wasting their time and wasting your money.
0: Right. You have a design and you need to make sure that the floor on top of the kitchen doesn't fall into the kitchen. But you can't envision how to do that until they know what the design
1: looks like. Yeah. And even like customers of mine that want to do additions, they'll have an architect do drawings for a whole addition on their house. The architect doesn't even know what stuff costs. So they've done the whole drawings of the thing. And the first time they see me, they want me to design a kitchen in the space. And I'm looking at all these drawings with every light fixture put in every location and light switches. And it's a horrible kitchen because you don't want to go 10 feet out. You need to go, you know, maybe 12 feet wide instead of 10 feet out and eight feet out. Or you need the addition to be a different shape or a different size to accommodate a better kitchen. And then you don't even have any numbers yet. So I'll look at the design and I'll say, well, the additions looks like it's going to be 70 grand. Plus, of course, the money that you spend on the cabinets and everything. That's 70 grand. Well, what was the whole project going to cost? I said, you know, with the cabinets and the countertops and the appliances and everything else and a $70,000 addition. And then you still got to install the cabinetry and everything. So you got maybe another $15,000 in labor for running all the electric and all the work that has to go into the house and taking out the wall to do the addition. And then you have maybe $30,000 in stuff that you're buying between cabinets and countertops and appliances and flooring. So you add all this stuff together your projects 120 grand or something and that 120 grand isn't in their budget so they already paid to have this architect do these drawings for a project that isn't within their budget so what you do is if you're working with the kitchen designer we sort of give you the numbers and then you say well If it's really that much money, I'm not even gonna do it. So let's see what I can do inside my house. Or $120,000 is good. That's fine with me. Let's design it. And then we design the kitchen, the shape and the size that you're going to need to get you the good kitchen. And then when you bring it to the architect, how much less work does he have to do now that he knows the size that's gonna work with your particular home. It's just a different series of events. All the same people are involved, but you're going to the kitchen expert first and then to the individual architects or engineers and contractors that you need second. Makes sense. Should we try to tackle another one? Sure. Well, I guess this is one that is a pet peeve of mine that we don't really have a problem at Mainline Kitchen Design with because the designers, everybody that works for me is is professional and, and would certainly know better. But at a lot of places, designers, First off, don't know anything about design and are bad convincing their customers things. And also, they have a strange and warped view of the legal profession and how this manifests itself. <laughs> what? Yes. So oftentimes, customers want to do things that are dangerous. So let me get this straight. So we got customers, architects, and builders. Uh-huh. Now we're going for lawyers. Now we're going for lawyers. <laughs> well, now we're just going for what the rationale that some kitchen designers will use to sell customers' kitchens that are dangerous. So customers come to us all the time. I think a few months ago it was, we had a customer that wanted to have their cooktop right on the end of their island so that anybody walking past the edge of the island, it was a gas cooktop, could set themselves on fire. So legally, you have to have at least 12 inches between the end of the countertop and the cooktop so people can't set themselves on fire. But this guy and his family, it's what they had. And they wanted it again and we said we can't sell you something that's dangerous and you know he said well i'm totally willing to sign off that you know you've warned me this and then you know this is what other designers will do they think that they're protecting themselves by if a customer is so adamant that they want to do something dangerous you can't have them sign off saying you've told them it's dangerous Because now, if they do set... You've just admitted liability. You've just admitted liability. (laughs) So if you're a lawyer, you're laughing right now, right? Because the designer is supposed to be the expert. If you've warned them that this thing is dangerous, and now they do set themselves on fire, now you've already lost the lawsuit. There's nothing you can do. You're just going to go straight to damages, (laughs) right? Uh,
0: So Mr. Designer, did you feel like it was a possibility that you could catch yourself on fire with this design? Uh, Yes, but... Oh, thank you question that's right
1: so you can't have a customer sign away something that's dangerous being uh, okay in their kitchen it means that as a designer you've just put your profit ahead of their safety so you can't ever do that sometimes customers will come to us with plans done someplace else and it will be on the plan that they bring us the sign off that customer has been warned that this is dangerous customer has been warned and it's like well we're not selling you that right so (laughs) You're laughing about lawyers. There's another legal story that I think is sort of funny. People come to us all the time with these designs, wanting us to price them out. And we don't price out other companies' designs because we always want to start the same way. We want to come out to your house and measure. After we've measured the house and taken a look at the house, we can then come up with what we think are good designs. Not to
0: mention what they're doing is screwing the other company and save maybe a few dollars on cabinets by bringing you the design. And they did all the work and then they say, can you sell me these cabinets for
1: 1% less since you didn't spend any time designing it? Well, I guess that would theoretically be true but always the designs are terrible that we get brought anyway. So we would never price it out usually just because we would want them to see a better design. But a lot of times people are adamant. They come to us, they say, well, you know, I was on the Internet. You You guys have the best reviews. So I wanted to have you price out this kitchen. Well, that's not how our process works. Well, I have my kitchen designed the way I want. Can you price it just out? No. I mean, that's the whole point is we have a whole system. That's why we get good reviews. It's because we do it a certain way so that everybody's happy in the end. We don't just price out bad designs people have done other places. So one time I had a lawyer. I guess one of the reasons he might have been a lawyer is because he was a little bit argumentative. And unfortunately, he came to me (laughs) or was talking to me, who's also equally argumentative. So we have two argumentative people talking, and he wants for me to price out this kitchen that's a bad design. And I'm telling him why we don't do it. And he's telling me why he doesn't need me, that this is the design he wants. And this is the design I want. I, well, why would you want a bad design? Uh, this is the design I want. It's not your business what I want, right? And I said to him, well, have you ever heard the adage <laughs> that if you represent yourself in court, you have a fool for an attorney? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, yes. I said, and you probably agree with that, right? He goes, Yeah. I said, well, if you design your own kitchen, you have a fool for a designer. And then he said, I've never been so insulted in my life. Boom! And slammed down the phone, right? (laughs) But, you know, why people would think that that's not the case? I mean, 30 years of experience and design knowledge and cabinetry knowledge has to translate into some information that's going to help you. It would make no sense otherwise.
0: There's a chance that you could go to a designer who's been doing it 20 years and the design will still suck. But there's a zero chance that somebody that never designed a kitchen is going to get it right
1: the first time. That's true. And if the design sucks and the designer has been doing it for 30 years, I will leave this designer nameless. But a designer that I used to work (laughs) with. You know a guy like that. Right? I know a guy like that. I used to work with him. He was more knowledgeable than I am about cabinetry and knew as much as I do about design and everything else. And he's been doing it since he was 23 years old and he's my age. So he's been doing it for 40 years, but his kitchens almost always were terrible designs. And the reason was, is that he's too nice and he didn't have a good technique for getting his customers to get good designs. He was sort of a little bit of a meek kind of guy and non-confrontational and so his customers got the design that they thought of themselves all the time. And so they would, here's this guy that's knowledgeable. If the company that I work for, they had at one point a design house where a multi million dollar home was built and they needed to have the most amazing kitchen in this design house. And there were 15 designers that worked for the company. Well, they gave it to Boop because I'm not gonna have to consult the customer going to be able to design the most amazing kitchen right, in the so world he, can do, that, he can do that it's just that when you put a customer in the mix he can't control that customer oh he i just mentioned it, his he, name you should
0: he should get it i can edit that out. you, you bleep
1: that? that boop 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 well, that he out you just out used use it. the
0: first name yes i know but so he should get a job with tall brothers
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would solve a bunch of problems well it could be true so uh i'm looking at so my... i can just speaking
0: of lawyers i can leave tall brothers in
1: Oh, sure. (laughs) Now, you throw toe brothers under the bus all the time because they do so many things wrong. And, you know, my wife, Julie, who is sometimes my advisor, will say, I'll I'll say, Julie, can I say this? And she said, well, her response usually will be, is it true? And I'll say, yes. She goes, then you can say it. (laughs) So if it's true, you're not really liable. Right? If, I, I, if, if the thing that you're saying There's is a lot trade. of
0: people that spend a lot of time in court for saying true
1: stuff, but I hear it. <laughs> we rate cabinets on our website. We rate 120 or 130 brands now. And some of the brands we rate poorly. And some of the brands, many brands we don't even carry, we rate incredibly well. Consumers use our review report on cabinets, something like 10 times more often than they use consumer reports. I mean, it's not even close people use our reviews. I know there's been at least several brands of cabinets that have changed how they make their cabinets. And I know that at least one factor involved was how we reviewed them. our review analysis of different cabinet brands has certainly helped our industry in making people more aware of how to make cabinets and and changing how cabinet companies sort of uh, value good construction of cabinets. But I'm looking at my list here. Well, I, I, you know what, why don't we make this the last one? And it's a little bit of a pet peeve. And I think it's a pet peeve for all of us as designers is a lot of customers will come to us and they'll say, well, what if I don't want to buy cabinets from you and I just want you to do the design? And use you as a Yeah, they'll system. use us as the designers. But the point is, is that just even requesting that just shows an absolute lack of understanding of what a kitchen designer does. First off, when you design a kitchen, you have to design it in a brand. Every brand has its own idiosyncrasies and every brand has its advantages and disadvantages. And even determining what's the brand that a customer is gonna get from us, we carry eight different brands from very, very inexpensive stock cabinets all the way up to the most expensive custom cabinets, but figuring out what's within the customer's budget, which brand has the door style and finish that they want with the best alternatives and the best things. There's so many aspects to being a good kitchen designer. That are involved. The simple design part of it is really just one part of the equation, and <laughs> you. If I, I would think you could introduce errors just
0: from going from the design to the cabinet ordering if it wasn't the same person, because you know sometimes oh, that's true there's too. a hundred
1: parts well, that, between well, not the even that, but, and everything else. Yeah, so, but not even that. But all the conversations that you have with the customer that created the design. If you're now buying it from another person, well, that person wasn't privy to any of those conversations, so they don't know the why of why you might be doing something, and they might change something with not knowing why, as a designer, you had made that selection because it's some other consideration that's not there. And then the most ridiculous part of it, too, is we're not releasing plans and drawings to any customer, which is what you certainly would need to price it out of the places, without a customer putting 10% down. Right. And we're already a very reasonable place to buy cabinets. If a customer ever put 10% down towards their cabinets, then there is no place they could go in the world where they could get Cabinets of equal quality for the same price because they're gonna apply their 10% towards their cabinet order. Right. So even if their brother-in-law works for CraftMade or something like that, it won't matter. CraftMate's not selling cabinets. They might have some kind of employee discount or something like that that he can avail himself of. It will never equal 10% of the cabinet order that we did. And you'll also avoid all those other problems. That is the brain that designed it, is the brain that's ordering it, right? is the brain that's confirming the order when the cabinet company sends it back is the same company that has another person checking that person's order that knows the brand and everything else and that the brain that designed it is there to help the contractor when the contractor's installing it. And to And, right. to and, press- you, and
0: you have contractors that you work with regularly, so yeah. it's, it's a team that puts it together. You got, a- you got one interface that you got to deal with, the guy that designed it, and the
1: contractor is talking to you and the customer. And you and we, we could have a, us recommend a contractor. You could hire your own contractor. But it's still, if it's a new contractor we've never worked with, it's that much more important that we're available to explain to that contractor why they want to do this, install this kitchen this way and be available to help. That's why we don't sell cabinets and kitchens outside our service area. I mean, we get calls from people in California and all over the country who would love to buy a kitchen from us, but we can't sell them a kitchen there because if they have a problem, we can't jump in the car, drive over and say, oh, look what you did. You installed this wrong or that wrong. We don't have a rep that we have a relationship with that there's a problem with the cabinet or something that could come out and warranty it and There's a thousand different reasons, but just asking that question is, would you design a kitchen and we wouldn't buy the cabinets from you? It's just, it doesn't make any sense. And anybody that actually is doing that, since it doesn't make sense, and we would tell them that it wouldn't make sense. And then if they went ahead and did it anyway, they would really get the kitchen that they deserved because they it's like some people you just can't we have the conversation we explain all this to you we they pay the 10 percent deposit and then they run off to buy their cabinets someplace that they think they're better you know it might be an amish guy that builds cabinets in his garage or something that's not a cost efficient way to get cabinets no kitchen place has a very small carpenter that builds cabinets for them it's not cost effective and you don't get anywhere near the same quality in the finish. You don't get the same quality in the construction of the cabinets. Once it's an individual, that guy can die. That guy can retire. You don't have a warranty that has any meaning at all. So whatever. It's just, it, it's just a silly concept. And anybody that asks for it then is not being served if we were to do it. I mean, we would just tell them we don't do that. And we would encourage them not to do it. But sometimes every once in a blue moon, somebody does it anyway. They pay the deposit, and then they go and get cabinets made someplace else or do something, and it, it's always going to end up turning out poorly for them, I would think.
0: Well, it sounds like a lot of effort to do the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. So I have a pet peeve. Could I share a pet peeve? Yes, yeah, sure. Because sure. I find that cabinets are not that useful and very expensive. So my <laughs> pet peeve is actually having kitchen cabinets in the kitchen. Okay. So I would always think that the most sensible approach would be to just use – eight dishwashers which are actually cheaper than cabinets and you never have to take the dishes out of the dishwasher to put them in cabinets <laughs> uh are a lot of people doing that now i know it's a big trend you know in my mind
1: uh-huh. well a lot of people watch the video where you play the engineer that does that but they always laugh and say well it's something to, to they always say well that's so that's an interesting concept but i, I don't uh, i don't think anybody really thinks of it as uh Huh. <laughs> but I know you do
0: I do And uh, had, had Hannah not intervened we would have uh, you know, six dishwashers
1: what I would say is you haven't worked your way through the fact that when you have eight dishwashers then at some point in time every one of your dishwashers has some things in it so you're going to have to transfer from one dishwasher to the next dishwasher to combine to free up all of your dishwashers again
0: Oh well, then you just didn't put enough dishwashers in. If that's <laughs> the case, <laughs> you just keep adding dishwashers. It's pretty, it's pretty straightforward.
1: All right, Paul. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? No, uh, I think that's good. I think we went over most of our uh, most of our stuff.
0: Well, I uh, I'm sure that was very informative. And uh, once again, if anyone is has any questions uh, about their kitchen or kitchen design, uh, call in to Paul on. Fridays between uh, 2 and 4. Between 2 and 4. Eastern
1: Standard Time. And what's the phone number? 610-500-4071.
0: All right. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for listening to the Mainline Kitchen Design Podcast with nationally acclaimed kitchen designer, Paul McIlary. This podcast was brought to you by Brighton Cabinetry. High-quality, custom cabinetry at competitive prices. For more on kitchen cabinets and kitchen design, go to www.mainlinekitchendesign.com.